0: let's go all right winston welcome it feels so good to be back it's been too long for the soul cast and um i have with me my good friend winston welcome mm. sir
1: welcome man appreciate you having me uh looking forward to chatting dude you're a big role model for me big in and out in social media so i'm excited <laughs>
0: appreciate that man uh it's been great to see your come up which it has been over the last year, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, why don't you speak about how how has your life changed over the last two years or so? Thanks to social media. Thanks to, you know, you putting in the hard yards, the work, mm-hmm. the writing. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what's, what's the journey like, been like? Yeah, uh,
1: good question. And it's been kind of a zigzag. It's something now that, you know, getting older, you kind of see that things aren't really linear. So, yes. I'm beginning to just really kind of find my own style. Uh, It took like a couple years to to kind of, you know, get to that point. You probably had the same experience. I feel like you get to where you're seeing so many other opinions, so many other approaches, especially social Mm -hmm. media, that you kind of get like lost in it. And um, yeah, man, I mean, recently things have just been firing on all cylinders. And that's just content wise, but, Yeah, man, working odd jobs, like the starving artist kind of (laughs) archetype, like (laughs) basically just like glamorizing it. I mean, that was a big thing too, was kind of disconnecting from the, uh, what would you call the normal life path? Like you see friends you graduate college with who are maybe three years into Deloitte or consulting and, you know, that's loud to notice, but. Man, I really wouldn't change anything about the the path, especially over the last like year and a half, two years.
0: Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like the zigzag of life is like you always look back on those things and go, "Damn, that was fun," mm-hmm. or you know, like you you literally smile at the times you are maybe like sleeping on just the floor because you didn't have a mattress yet, or yeah. working some shitty job like night shift or we're just working with these absolute losers Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) where your your sanity is like just stretched to the to the limit but then you come out the other side Mm -hmm. and you're like okay that was a character building experience now i have something to write about perhaps Mm -hmm. or definitely at least a lesson to learn and i think what you said about glamorizing it is really cool because Mm. that's a perspective shift where you can glamorize anything basically by kind of having this perspective of you as the main character. And I know yeah. that's a bit of a white girl meme at the moment. like, Oh, main character. Energy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I'm not, you know, taking it from that, but I'm taking it from yeah. in general as like you are the creator of your life and mm-hmm. for you to like, oh yeah, I'm working this job or I got fired and, you know, now it's a struggle for me to... not Not a struggle, you shouldn't perceive things as a struggle, but like now it's just this you know underdog mentality and Mm. i'm still gonna get where i'm gonna be and just like really romanticizing it as well as glamorizing like wherever you're at in life
1: yeah yeah dude i think well said on all points and it gets to the point where even if you're doing something shitty like you're talking about you're working with losers you're working night shift like i have never been more motivated than when i was in those situations like
0: when you're having to wake
1: up at 6 a.m. to like make it like to go catch a check and so you know you probably get these messages too it's like what like how would you escape a nine to five like all this stuff and and man it it really just comes down to like you almost need to be grateful that you're in that experience because it motivates you so much harder than anything else can yeah like your life is so shitty that (laughs) you you should like be like up all night trying to get out of it and um And that kind of comes back to that perspective. You're talking about just like flipping it into a positive. Mm. And, uh, I always think of, dude, I'm like, like big into music, big into song lyrics and like relative with how they, uh, you know, relate to real life. But there's this Tame Impala lyric, dude. I think it's from like lost in yesterday, but it's like thinking back to when we were on it four out of seven living in squalor, like those were the best days. Yes. And it's like, we're all, I mean, you're going to be in 10 years looking back to when you're like young, 20 year old hustling. Like, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it's a crazy life, man. And, and no one can really tell you the best way to live yours.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like I fondly tell stories of when I first moved out after college. Uh, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I never want to like pretend that I didn't have, you know, the safety net of my parents or whatever, but I'm yeah. basically like, all right, college is over. Uh, I want to rent a place myself and I don't want to take any money from my parents. And I was living in this place, which was like, you know, a relatively nice area, but like it was a very old house. And yeah. the room that I was in, the door, it was like a back door, it was meant to become this shed that had been turned into a room. So there was <laughs> like a few inches at the bottom of the door that was just missing. So I would have yeah. like <laughs> just gusts of wind blowing in throughout the night, the fucking... Oh roof the closet that i have not clothes in had holes in it and so there were rats and then a tin roof so it was boiling hot in summer and freezing cold at night and yeah. like i laugh at that shit because like, it's like even in the moment when i was there because i was i had the you know the beginnings of um let's say my appreciative sto- stoicism kind of mindset i was like yeah Damn, this is kind of funny like I, yeah. was, I was i was like you can grumble about that shit all day and be like mm-hmm. oh man woe is me but like you know, some people don't even have the cold house uh, to yeah. begin with. So they're just sleeping outside. So, you know, it's all fun and games, really, uh, if you allow it to be. And yeah. when you're grateful for those things, then I always speak about that as like you set yourself on the trajectory to which better things will come to you. Once you're grateful for what you already have. Dude, I think that you, you really do paint a picture
1: um in regards to that it's almost like you can enjoy that freezing temperature you know those boiling summers if you have like like you see a time period in your maybe not near future but you use the word trajectory it's like i know yeah. this isn't forever like yeah. i know one day i will be like wherever you want to be man villa, penthouse whatever and you'll be able to look back and like that distance between of that really low low you know living in squalor whatever um, but like when you're in that moment and you see a better future and you're like working towards it, dude, I mean, you really can't be in a bad, you know what I'm saying? Like you just paint it positively and it yeah. really is a mindset thing. Cause I think that really, um, you know, I did already say this once, but you really inspired me to kind of get on to social media in more of a create instead of consume way. Yeah. Uh my personal approach to it was I was in college as well as a senior and just people looked like dead-eyed, so you know, the word soul always stuck out. And then yep. there was obviously some connection, I guess, with soul bra, maybe, you know, subliminally. But it was more of like that uh that idea that like you you have to be living intentionally. You almost have to have a plan to be happy one day. Cause like if you, I think that's what happens with like the nine to five and people get in these routines and in their head, all they can see in 35 years is that same routine. Like they're not, they're not living in squalor and working towards better. And, and that really is a key difference that I just like, if you, if you start living with some passion, man, like you, you start trying to dig yourself out of, of, you know, maybe a objectively bad living situation, whatever. Then like that movement and that purpose for it is, Dude, it's enough to make you enjoy your days even if it sucks looking back you know
0: well yeah it's like the the quintessential idea the core of it is that man can endure any circumstance if Mm -hmm. he has hope mm -hmm. if he has hope for the future then it doesn't matter what's happening if the slaves uh have some like visionary person and like someone that they know is coming to you know free them then they can kind of endure the circumstances at the time But if Mm. there is no end goal, there is no salvation and you have no hope, Mm -hmm. that is when it's like you're just done and like you you can't go on. You feel chained. Ah. And
1: and the good thing is, I mean, you kind of painted as like a you know, this kind of savior, which dude, that's how I see it. Or you're your own savior. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like everyone really has the power to like build themselves like you have this ideal of who you can be and and that's why, man, I mean, there are certain accounts like uh you know you lobo Fitz, like cali critties however you say that name like there are certain accounts that i'm like dude i am a genuinely a better man because i read their thoughts but it really just circles back to like what you yourself are doing to like you're in the casket alone at the end of it and like at night at night when everything's quiet and all the distractions are off you have to be able to say like i did something to better my life today, like to get out of this situation that I yep. hate. And, yep. and people just, dude, they just distract themselves. And they don't let that voice like yell
0: at them. I don't think. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's what depression is mm-hmm. because they, you're that voice inside you that will come to you. You can distract yourself all day. When you go to sleep at night, you're in bed. There's nothing like maybe you still have your phone. This is why people are on their phones. Like yeah. right until the second that they can't close, they God. can't open their eyes any longer. And then they fall asleep It's dude, because they dude. can't bear to just like be alone with their thoughts because their thoughts can be like, mm-hmm. hey man, um, why did you not work out today, <laughs> dude? That uh, is like, hey your man. Spirit- <laughs> yeah, why 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 did you let that guy like talk shit about you and you didn't say anything at work,
1: mm-hmm. dude? And you feel your bad spirit about talks. It. <laughs> yeah, like your spirit yeah. really like, I mean that's what the the big thing distractions you know, weeds a big one. Yeah, you, know, you got all this like entertainment, yep. all the media, but it's these things that like quiet the you inside of you that you need to be listening to. And I mean, I always look at it, dude, I don't know if ambition is a curse. I don't know if other people have this like voice all the time saying like, you can be doing more. You can be doing more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it ain't fun all the time, bro, you know, but it does, it does push you because you can look at yourself objectively and be like, yeah, I hear like, you know, when you're laying in bed, not on your phone, listening to yourself, you're like, I didn't do enough. And then that accountability and, and just people, ah, man, I'm long on the human spirit, man. I really am. But I just don't think that the mentality is in the right place
0: right now. Well, it's like, I think just every day there is more and more of the right mentality. And yeah, it's just yeah. like the dichotomy. Like it's, it's about the, amb- the ambition thing. It's like mm-hmm. everyone would like to have a good ambition and a drive for things. But do you also want the inevitable mind that is always going to be pushing you for more and never be happy really yeah like like you can't have it one way or the other you can't have just the ambition and then also be happy with what you did today or you know like Mm -hmm. sometimes you are like within the day like man i had a really productive day and that was good and i i acted in alignment with my values and things but like you can never turn that off i was talking to my friend hunter about this it's like I'll be getting a massage, and then there's just like tweets popping up. There's like, oh man, well, okay, what could I do with that? Uh, Designs for fucking solar power. Like, Gosh, oh, yeah. I'm trying to chill sometimes. <laughs> like, but if you if you allow the creative spirit to tap into you, yeah, and you tap into it, then sometimes you just can't turn that off. And it's like, if you want the benefit of the ambition, then you also have to have the dichotomy, the let's say negative. Even though it's just, it is what it is. It's not a yeah. negative thing that's just like the reality of the situation and that i think comes with most positives is like there's an equal uh, amount of roots to hell
1: yes yes i think that you're spot on with that and um you know there is a lot of like another thing too is, is you kind of see like these like selfish ambitious motivation like i want all the money in the world i want all these bad chicks surrounding me and and like then that kind of ugh, I don't really know where you sit spiritually, man, like your relationship with God, but for me, there are like things that really fulfill a person, like family, relationships, like these things. So you almost have to have like ambition to foster proper things, like with the proper heart posture, if this makes sense. Like you can't just have like Mm. all these selfish motivations and like so, like you're saying, all these other things begin to seep into how you spend your minutes, what your actions are directing towards. Like, I got, a, I got a friend, man, um, and and one day, see, like, I knew what I, uh, one of my ex-girlfriends was like, what is one thing you want when you're dead? Like, I don't know if she wanted me to say, like, for you to be there beside my casket, but it's really just, like, <laughs> I, I want my, like, I just want my words read by my grandkids, things like this, like, I want my books yep. read further down. But yep. But it seems to me, like, It's kind of selfish, but, you know, whatever. I think the sentences help people at a a point. But anyways, I was asking a friend, good friend, guy I really do love and respect. I was like, what are you, like, shooting for? Like, what is your goal in life? Like, what do you wake up every day and kind of chase? And it just kind of, like, we kind of landed on money. And I was like, dude, I just, does it, I know, you know. And but But it's okay, like, this isn't a jab at him. It's just more so, like, maybe you need to get x amount of money to see that like that was never the answer and um yeah kind of circles back to you know having like goals of fulfillment and like actual purpose that that will have ripples in a good way
0: yes yes um i mean i want millions of dollars i yeah, think that's not yeah. a, a selfish thing to do you like no. i want the money to be able to build a fucking dog shelter and and bring in as many dogs from the street as possible and yes you know pay for my friends medical treatments, that kind of thing like as well as my own selfish needs mm-hmm. shall we say but mm-hmm. that is you know money is protection of the family at the end of it yes. um the like money is a tool and money you can't take with you when you're dead obviously mm-hmm. Uh, You can only take your soul and, and, you know, the actions that you take in this life will reflect on your soul. And that's the only thing we take to wherever Mm -hmm. we go after this physical reality. Amen. But money in itself uh, is not a necessarily like bad thing. It's when, as you're saying, like the energy is directed towards money because you want to buy status signaling things or things Mm -hmm. you actually don't really care about because you're using the money as an approval seeking method. And that is empty from the get go. Yes. And uh, like you said, like, lots of people that I've spoken to would be like, yeah, then I started getting all this money and realized, like, ah, oh, shit, that was it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, still, I'm yeah. still empty inside. <laughs> and,
1: like, dude, don't, like, do not even get me wrong. I'm not trying to, like, justify, like, self-imposed poverty, you know? Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah, yeah, It's good to have, like, money to be able to do things with friends. I mean, also, like, you know, setting up your kids, living in a good area. Yeah. X, Y, Z, but. But yeah, it just I mean, we're talking about, you know, being able to lay your head down at night. It's like, dude, did you did you really do something like good for yourself and being able to look almost judge yourself, like not in a harsh way, you know, I don't really believe talking shit to yourself like that too much, but being able to like look at yourself through a the lens of another person and be like, Yeah, today was a good day, man. Like I like, mm. I don't know, whatever you judge that day by, but yeah
0: yeah everyone knows whether they've done good or bad and if you string many many days of inaction and i've been in this position 100 percent, like mm-hmm. that the pain of literally like thinking to myself dude if you don't do anything you're just gonna become a useless piece of shit God, and like, dude, like yeah. i've written that in my journal before and mm-hmm. it's, it's heavy to feel but like ultimately that is is like no one is really gonna come do it for you so yeah what are you waiting for uh, and that pain yep. is like that's what is so vivid that it enables you to actually start doing something and i, I, I don't know i don't know if everyone has to go through that but it's mm-hmm. definitely like it begins in that place where you know you're not fulfilling your potential and i guess not everyone responds to that um yeah yeah
1: that's but, kind of but that is like... the
0: primary motivator
1: that's what, you know, like you just said it pretty well, not everyone responds to it. And that's where, like, I think that it's there, like the voice, the inner, you know, you can not really, like, push yourself to exhaustion. Like, I don't mean that, man. But, like, it's kind of like, yeah, there's, there's something in there saying that, you know, you could have, I don't know, man, called your grandmother today. Small shit like that. But then, dude, like, what I had to actually work, what I had to cut out was, like, things that would distract me like completely from that voice marijuana was a huge one like mm-hmm. in college dude like i'd have these these thoughts these ideas of like what i wanted to create what i wanted to write et cetera. Et cetera. and then dude
0: yeah
1: i just like i would smoke and then i'd be like oh well i'm too high to really make like make any progress and then you know then you kind of start sleeping in you're like oh shit like i'm not high enough to not think about doing work so I need to get higher, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, so yeah. then you just like start piling on these distractions and like. So I mean, it, it really is. Uh, you know, I I genuinely will be the first one to say, I do not have all the answers, but um. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> just like listening to your spirit is like what, what's what's your soul saying? That shit was like, I believe in that for real.
0: How did you get out of the grip of marijuana?
1: Dude, I started smoking pretty young like in high school and um and then it, it just became like a daily thing dude i went to a pretty rural co- um high school it wasn't that challenging like academically ended up getting into chapel hill and i was just like on easy mode dude so i'd smoke before school leave at lunch smoke i was just like <laughs> dude it was just like a embar- very gassed stop like, in the classroom <laughs> and the school would, like they'd like know i was up to degenerate shit but you know they're not gonna like pull my admissions or not get me in trouble. So I don't get in this university. So, yeah. so, I, so that did not help because I was like, okay, I can still skate by while being high. You know, like I was like, okay, I can still smoke weed and be successful. So then college comes dude and it's even worse. Other drugs are involved. So I began yeah. to like, I actually went to Australia. Dude, I was smoking probably every day for a couple of years. And then I go to Australia and study abroad. Dude, I can't find weed. Anywhere, yeah. and yeah. so so I begin like I get back and I kind of start like just monitoring myself like I'll smoke only at night like doing these small things and and then I move out to California bro and I get back into it you know the pendulum swings you're off yeah. of it for sure you're back in it but now it's just more of like a, I see it more now as a distraction like okay dude I'm just smoking all day so that I'm not so that i'm literally like brain fried and i'm not going to produce and and i don't feel good about myself doing that so it really was just like we've been talking about like being able to look at yourself objectively and then setting small mm, like small criteria like okay dude start waning off of it you can smoke at night you can smoke with some homies whatever later like 9 p.m but making those small changes. And dude, when I, when I got completely off of, when I got completely sober, mm. I like, I was operating from a mentality that I had not known in years, dude, like firing yep. all cylinders. So confident in every word that came out. And like, yeah, yeah, we just, we take my confidence away from writing and I like writing better than feeling high. And so yeah, that was, that's really the trade off, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I come back to I was having this discussion with people. It's like people turn to drugs when the reality of their environment and their life is worse than the feeling of the drugs.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: So, uh, if the, if a lot of people like this is what we see in, with the opioid epidemic in the yeah. Midwest and everything, it's like if your town is small, there's no opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, things aren't going on, then like you're much more likely to just go get high because that is really like it's more stimulating than just. Being, you know, and I haven't lived in these cities, but this it, it seems yeah. to be a common sentiment. Um, that if you're not in a environment where you're being stimulated, like your high school and things, like mm-hmm. it, the the option is to like, okay, well, this getting high is is much more appealing to me. And when that dips away, maybe you have the opportunity. And like you said, it's like the trade off is okay, I can be high, or I can actually produce and do writing, which is like much more enthralling to my soul than like yeah. that's the shift that you make.
1: And it comes back to, you know, what we began the conversation with was hope. That word that you use. It's like, you know, when you're in these I'm I mean, dude, I'm from a city in America, eight to ten thousand, you know, like my high school was my graduating class was two hundred people. And so right now what we're seeing is there's a huge heroin epidemic. And yeah, and I think that it's a result of what we've been talking about with the don't see an out. Like I'm in this boring small town. I have no prospects. This drug makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Heroin's a fucking oh god. Oof, man. Dark drug. (laughs) Dark, dark drug. I've I've never, never tried it, thankfully. Me either. Yeah, me either. (laughs) I just haven't even considered trying it. And like, um, but I think it really kind of comes back to that piling on distractions. Like, like you said, the feeling of this is better than the reality. Of and that reality that they're seeing in the moment is hopelessness and uh, no way out of this, out of this place. And it's really sad, man. It's drug addiction, uh, dude. I mean, any addiction like porn, TV, all these things that take you away from the real world are they're pushed and they are really like swallowed down with open mouths, bro.
0: Yeah, well, it's you got to wonder why they're making weed legal. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm why alcohol is kept legal really like i know historically it's been around in in lots of traditions and you know yeah societies for thousands of years but alcohol is another huge one that keeps people in the chains of their mediocrity uh, you know to be frank yeah because they're working for the weekend and then on the weekend friday saturday night they're getting blitzed and are able to turn off that voice inside was like hey dude uh, this actually isn't that cool for us <laughs> yeah. or like don't feel great doing this like, shh, yep. shh, just do another shot homie like get to the club yeah yeah, um, yeah.
1: just have fun bro let loose yeah <laughs> God.
0: and uh, yeah I mean I've, I've mentioned this before recommend to everyone to just like if you're regularly having alcohol okay you don't have to completely never have a drop of alcohol ever again although that would probably be beneficial uh, yeah. overall sometimes uh, just like ease back your use definitely don't have it weekly Mm. um if you once a month have some you know drinks with some friends like i don't think that's negatively affecting you as long as it's like clean alcohol and all the rest of it and you're still getting your your stuff done but Mm -hmm. um weekly is definitely way too often even though that's like heavily normalized not to mention like the effects that alcoholism in general has on many many families
1: yeah yeah dude that is uh very true very insightful as well but I mean, but
0: children i think parents. um your winston the writer mm-hmm. definitely has some aspects of down a bottle of whiskey in the full moon and see yeah. what happens <laughs> dude that's
1: kind of what i wanted to
0: like circle back so, to yeah <laughs> because let's let's explore yeah. that a bit
1: yeah mm. Okay, so I completely agree with you know the the normalizing of alcohol. I mean, it, like you said, it's been around. Jesus turned water to wine. I don't know if that was written in later to make alcohol more normal. Who knows? But yeah, these uh these kind of things. Uh, I okay, God, dude, this is gonna sound like such a personal justification. Like it's gonna be like this dude is really just like justifying his. <laughs> That's own your advice. experience. Just, yeah, you know, to yeah, be but. But dude, it really like, I do drink, I just drink straight whiskey when I write. Not (laughs) all the time, probably like 25% of my writing. But dude, I noticed that I'm less worried about judgment, like very vulnerable to put some of the thoughts out there. I mean, dude, you experience, you get pushed back on Twitter, dude, like just as anyone with a decent following does. And like, if you become vulnerable and you cut yourself open And, like, you're putting these truths that you think can help people. Like, you think that these ideas are genuinely beneficial, but at the same time, they're opening you up to attack. Like, dude, the whiskey helps me at times, like, late at night, bro, like, 1 a.m., 1.30, when I'm just, like, pounding away. It helps me lose that fear of judgment. And that's one thing I didn't begin writing Drinking, you know, like I wrote for years with, with no alcohol involved, but, but that sentiment is something I get messages all the time. Like, Hey, I want to begin writing all this stuff. Like I don't even really consider myself an expert on writing, dude. I don't follow any normal practices that I start. Like I I read a lot, but I don't follow really a formal writing pattern. So the only, the only thing I really give people advice of is you need to write for the trash can like you need to write down like cut yourself open, bleed on the page. Do not worry about anyone reading it because right afterwards you're going to tear it up and throw it away. So like I want people to be able to get down to their bones with words in the real world, but my thing is I'm published I'm like publicizing those those thoughts. And so like you know yeah, do like liquid curds that's the street name for it bro but like it loosens me up to to almost be able to say some very inflammatory stuff or some stuff that is going to reflect not well in the macro you know what i'm saying so i do treat it as a tool and like i said at the very beginning of this and i'll finalize with it it's going to come off as a personal justification and like yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah.
1: same with cigarettes you know i'll sit there like I'm definitely not the most. I don't think I'm as like disciplined in certain vices, um, and that's something you know to work on, especially young age, dude. I'm not even twenty five, so like still learning yeah. things. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because you know with your method of writing, you're. It's not like you're drinking, and then publishing, and therefore mm-hmm. the period of time where you're inebriated is when you might get that pushback on social media. Drinking is when you're creating the work. Mm -hmm. So no one's even reading it or like watching it at that point other than the conjecture of your own mind. And it's like thinking what people will eventually read it. So you're without the alcohol, I guess you're muting yourself somewhat because of the potential that people will be upset or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just just an interesting, like, dynamic to think about is, like, is it a justification? I know lots of writers do have that vice of mm-hmm. drinking, uh, smoking particularly, as well. Yeah. Uh, coffee is another big one. God, dude, I mean, I got um, a
1: glass of whiskey, a mug of coffee, and a cigarette right now, bro. Really? <laughs>
0: <I mean, laughs> there you, you go. Know, go. It's like, the trifecta. Y-
1: you pinpointed it, dude. But, like, I yeah. wouldn't preach those mediums to anyone else. I just... I have kind of like dedicated my foreseeable future to this medium and yeah, very much. So those vices do exist. And you know, just like, I mean, just like steroids are common vice for gym users. Like you can argue the pros and cons, but like the gym user has an ideal in his head. Like I have an ideal in my head of what my words can be like. And the steroids assist him in getting there. Like, but like I said, I know, I, I understand how this can sound. Like I'm not that, you know, unaware, um, yeah. but very fine line. And that's why I'm very, like a lot of times in my writing, I'll be like, I don't even drink in my book that comes up a lot. Like I don't mention drinking alcohol in the book because I do not want, especially, I don't know what your main demographic is, dude. I feel like mine is like kids three or four years younger than me. Like that's who I'm yeah. talking to when I'm like, yeah when I'm writing and when you're tweeting and stuff like this, I yeah. don't want them to, like, normalize these habits. And so I yeah. don't, like... Yeah. I might mention drinking some whiskey, dude, but, like, I'm not trying to promote it by any means. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. For sure. It's, it's like, I would be lying if I said that I didn't use espresso as a tool to, yeah. you know, fuel a lot of my writing uh, it, mm-hmm. and nicotine as well. I don't smoke tobacco, but... I have these nicotine toothpicks, which uh, um, really, <laughs> yeah, they're great. <laughs> what are they called? Uh, uh, pixotine, P-I-X-O-T-I-N-E. Um, pixotine. Come in little winter ice flavor is my favorite, but um, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So you just chew on one of those, and for whatever reason, this has been well documented. Nicotine is a nootropic and mm-hmm. seems to help the brain. Uh, flow a bit better especially with writing and especially in the combination with caffeine as well the words just mm-hmm. come out better is yeah. that a cope that I cannot that I you know rely on that and it's a crutch somewhat probably mm-hmm. you know yeah. I'm, I'm willing to admit that but at the same time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it bro, seems yeah. to help are you gonna so put it, put it in the words like, so <laughs> the 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 feeling of like kind of the stimulants merging together and then you access this new level of complexity with the words or just like thoughts come up uh turns of phrase come up that wouldn't necessarily come up uh if you're sober all the time. Yes. Uh that's just the truth of my experience so far. Um yep. do I think that they're needed to do anything? No. Do I no, think that yeah. The use of them daily is good. No, mm-hmm. that being said, um, that is the truth of how I've done a lot of my writing so far. And yeah, the experience of a lot of writers throughout history—it's like I don't know what the term is, but it's like the writers' duo or something like that—is—is is coffee and cigarettes. Not that mm-hmm. I smoke cigarettes, but the nicotine is—is is what's really affecting you mm-hmm. uh, when you're when you're writing, and like that just seems to be historically a thing. Yeah, so and then and then you kind of
1: like no i mean dude you said it so well in terms of i mean that's kind of the thing with self-awareness because you're like i see that i'm doing this and like i know it may not be the most beneficial but you know it's still i'm still using it to induce something and like like the the best writing for me is when i light a cigarette and i might take two or three hits, you know, whatever I'm sitting there looking at the the paragraph before. And then I sit the cigarette down in the ashtray and I forget about it for like the best. And I forget about it for 30, 45 minutes and it burns out. And the same with the coffee, you know, you take a couple sips, you sit there. And then before you look up again, it's cold. So it's like all, it was just like that little push, but you said it very well with the word crutch. Like, if you get to a point where you don't feel like you can create without it, then it controls you. And like, yeah, I think, man, I mean, there are just so many, it's like what I, I spend a lot of my free time, like r- trying to counteract my vices, you know, running, writing is a very solitude thing. So I try and get in public, talk to people, these things in the gym in the yeah. sauna, sweating out whiskey, obviously. So there yeah. are these things that you're doing to get it back. But Man, a lot of time I'll be reading certain authors that I respect, and Stephen King is one of them, and I started reading Cujo, um, and you know, you can stop me if you're familiar with it, it's basically about a rabid dog, Uh, I think he wrote it in like the 90s, it's actually one of his like quote-unquote best books of all time, but Stephen King, and I'm not comparing myself to Stephen King, I don't even really like the way that Stephen King writes, but he's a great storyteller. But Stephen King wrote Cujo so drunk and cocained out that he does does not remember reading. Like, he doesn't remember writing it. He reread it years later and was like, I don't remember writing this, but I believe that I wrote myself in as Cujo. Like, I was on these drugs. I was unraveling. I was turning rabid towards my family. And, like, you kind of see that show up in the story. And, like, and it's like, dude, what... (laughs) Like, I believe in flow state. I believe in all this stuff. And it's like, where was Stephen King consciously when he's on cocaine and he's on, like, bottles of... He was on... He was drinking a lot of beer, which is just, you know, not my forte, but but do he... Like, where'd he go? <laughs> like, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Was it yeah, the yeah. cocaine writing it? Like, he doesn't even remember. It. And so, yeah. you hear that you hear the same thing with Hunter S. Thompson and masculine and acid. And it's like, dude, you can't get so into these stories that you think you can write a bestseller on acid. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it's like at some point they, they become like a really otherworldly tool that you have to be very smart about. I don't think Hunter S. Thompson was, I think he got a little too into it. You can kind of see it, how he talked in interviews later in life. Yeah. But it's kind of crazy where your mind can go. Um Like you said, though, as a crutch, no no bueno. No bueno.
0: Yeah, there are two points there that I want to mention. So Hunter S. Thompson, I remember reading that later on, uh, because he, he basically became known as the guy that like writes on cocaine, fucking yeah. shoots his gun, and gets wasted and doesn't eat um, all night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when he became notorious for that, he found himself having to live up to that uh, yes. expectation So he was like, Oh, I'm not Hunter S. Thompson unless I'm railing lions and doing crazy stuff. And he mentioned like just kind of playing up to that. And Mm. people expected that of him, even though he didn't necessarily want to do that. And it was likely very exaggerated. Yes, um, yes. Because it becomes like this mythological portion of person rather than like himself as Hunter. Uh, So that's just an interesting point to think about. The other point I want to mention was that. These uh, substances, whatever it is, is almost like you, they get you out of yourself um, mm. by giving you the feeling of just like... F- it's like flow state and focus. Yeah. But what that is, is getting the self, like removing the self yes. in that shell of yourself that maybe makes you doubt yourself or like thinks about things too much. Mm. Once that is eliminated through the mechanism of a substance then the writing the real writing the great writing can come through and Mm -hmm. I'm interested on your perspective here with like what what is writing when I'm when I'm writing I'm tapping the keyboard like my physical body is doing the thing but like what what thoughts are coming through when I'm speaking yeah. about these topics. Like some of what I write about is consciously like, oh, I want to mention like, okay, this is a good health habit. Uh-huh. Uh, the, you know, this is this, the evidence for it, X, Y, Z, and telling people about that. But some of my writing is just like, I sit down and it flows through me. It's not yes. me. It's just like, I've been chosen to, by God, uh, <laughs> yeah. to deliver this mess. Not that I'm like, you know, chosen <laughs> by God, but like I've yeah. been you know, there is this information that needs to flow through me at this particular point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the best writing. That's the the stuff that like people message me about like, dude, like I <sighs> really needed that. Yes, um, It lit a fire within me. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'm, I'm not doing that consciously though. So is that the same for you?
1: Dude, I think the distinction, yes. Everything that you said the latter half is a distinction with like where my writing is very creative, like the the style that I I really believe in is like metafiction. Yeah. Like you you look at the world and you kind of just exaggerate it. You you make fun of yeah. it with words. So because of that, it's very like creative. And I I've realized this soul is like I'm not really great at writing practical lessons. Like you were talking about like. You know, I know this is a health point, um, the, the first instance, not you were talking about when it flows out, but yeah, I'm not really great at that. And so like, I've kind of fallen into this idea that people are not always trying to learn something like they want to be entertained. And so I just yeah, like, I fun. like, I let my mind go into that realm you talked about the second half where it's just flowing out. And dude, I mean, sometimes it really sounds schizophrenic. Like it comes off like it's it's run on sentences, man. It's where I make up words all the time. Like my friends call me out on making up words and it's like it it's not really based in reality and it touches that like level of surrealism where kind of what you're saying it just flows through you. I I believe that sentiment. Um one thing I kind of said is like like, I feel like God's pen at times. Like, it, these are not, like, really my ideas. Like, yeah. it's just, like, I'm just the one that I'm – right now, he needed me to say this. I think that he did the thing, same thing with Van Gogh with a paintbrush. And, and that's kind of, like, where you were talking about in the second half. You're just getting so, like – it's really not you, dude. I don't know how – like, I don't know what science would say about it. You know, I think the guy – I know I just butchered that name but he's the one that coined the flow state he mm-hmm. tried to put words to it man but it's that same entity and so yeah when I write I do get into like you said in the second half just like you almost black out like people will respond to some of the sold idea posts and they're like dude this sentence like like you said as well they're, they're, they're very receptive of these certain sentences but they'll respond and they're like dude man this paragraph right here and I'll have to go back and be like, what did I mm. say? Um, but dude, I want—I did want to say something too. When you were talking about Hunter S. Thompson, there's this—he um, did get like that. He got, you know, his style was gonzo, and so he kind of lived fleshly what he was saying in words, like going on these drug benders, making life really strange around him. And dude, Victor Hugo, author of uh, *Les Misérables*, it might be in that book. I don't know. It might be in another one of his. But he's got this quote, and it says like a man who makes a legend of himself becomes a slave to that legend, and yep. like that's kind of what you begin to see with with Thompson. Like you become known mm. for you become known for this, and then you're willing to almost lose yourself to like uphold that kind of style, that identity. It's a yep. very like slippery slope. I think that you can through art, painting making music, writing, I think that you can drive yourself mad. And I think that you can drive yourself into a frenzy of happiness. Like, it's just very sensitive with what the person's experiencing and the output that they're putting out. And like you said, man, where, you know, you're just flowing, like it's coming out like fire, bro. That's where like you're in congruency with your spirit is in congruency with your output. And, like, dude, for me, that is the, the holy, like,
0: meeting place. Yeah. I don't even know yeah, if I uh,
1: answered your question, man. My bad. Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, questions are always a diving board. Less, yeah. Less yeah. than, like, hey, answer my question, please. Like, Q&A, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, I feel the same way, you know, like, in, in a lot of ways, Solbra has become something outside of me it's Mm -hmm. actually why you know it's anonymous it's like it's not about me as the person it's about this particular set of mythological ideals that is communicated through me uh more so that has taken you know a life of its own somewhat and i find myself you know leaning into that but also like it is what i am in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways Mm -hmm. um but it it does take control of you and and take a life of its own, as I said. So it's it's an interesting dichotomy Dude. to be aware of.
1: And that's very like I'm empathetic to 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 that experience, man. Like I, I can I can see it probably happening to you know. You just become like you said, like a like you said, you're almost like a face or a voice for all of these like ideals, and you're now expected to live up to all of this, like. Yeah. you know you're you're human like everything is happening fluidly but i mean and i do believe in you know giving credit where credit is due and dude the ideals that you have pushed and, and the things that you really believe in like changed my life 2019 2020 like the first book man you were probably the largest inspiration with the apollo aesthetic like cool. <laughs> this you know this like kind of dude walking a uh, the boardwalk, like surfboard, like he's carefree. The music is like mm. Good Vibrations by Beach Boys. And like that is a result. And then there were other ones, you know, like um the rock star was kind of based on Deja Ru, that kind of like really a- aggressive but like philosophical attitude. And so like I now see that like that's not like that's not even like who you are. Maybe. I mean, I think yeah. that you do walk in congruency with your message, but it was more of just like the perception of the ideals that you yeah. portray and i was like Damn, like yeah. i genuinely like built you in my head into this like character <laughs> and, like that's like that's why it's so important on our side on um, just basically creating a line to be very congruent with what you say and who you are in your life like you you cannot mm-hmm. like fake it on there because you're going to become like expected to fake it you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah uh Ultimately, it comes down to being congruent with uh, your whatever message your soul is trying to deliver, and listening mm-hmm. to, again that intuitive voice, your soul. Um, because the other thing with being online and having an audience is that you can fall into the trap of thinking that your audience would prefer <laughs> this, yes, or you have to do this because the fans will like it um, yep. more than what I actually want to do. And Cernovich had a tweet about that recently. It's like you can't let yourself fall into that because that mm-hmm. is just like unhappiness. Uh, Aaron Carter, a, a clip, the guy that died recently, that yeah. pop star. Um, he had a video where he was like, you know, for 15 years I dedicated myself to my fans, and then I go on Twitter and they're saying. Uh, I have. I look like I have AIDS and I should just die. Like, how mm. can they say that to me? And on one hand, like, he's giving credence to these random t- Twitter trolls, probably. Yes. So, like, that's, that's just a mistake in and of itself. But yeah. the sentiment it reflects is the outsourcing the approval to this unnamed mass of mm-hmm. fans, which mm-hmm. is, like, one, not really a real thing. The people that follow you are going to have very varying different, like, opinions of you. Yeah. But you kind of b- break through from like it, it shifts from like say you, you don't have any content online or like you don't have any fans or whatever you're before that stage yeah you are breaking free of the expectations of your family your friends the people around you in your small town mm-hmm. and that is what enables you to do actually what you want and like accrue a crew of following or whatever mm-hmm. but then you can the mistake that you can make is to thus become like perform for the expectations of this new group yeah of the audience and the fans so it's like you can't like fall back into the quagmire of that otherwise you're just doing the same thing that you were doing before mm. um before it all but almost like with a different mask and like yes
1: you you god man, yeah that's well said i can tell that you've kind of like i don't know i'm not gonna say this is like this like exclusive group man because i don't want to sound like a pretentious asshole but if you do have a following online like it becomes a very sensitive like ecosystem that's why like you like every word (laughs) that you say is like it's interpreted by someone and then they they build you like Dude, you know you have like a million different faces. Like every one of your fans like yes. sees you as like yes. a – and like that yeah. is a crazy thing. And like you can get so lost into that. That's why, dude, this is – I don't really believe that young men should should be reading a lot of philosophy. Like I'm talking like 15, 14. I started reading that shit too early, man. And like what I mean by that is you can kind of get like lost in these beliefs of these other peoples before you really have your own – Ability to form your you know what you really believe in but where that comes in on the social media aspect is like you have all these faces and dude it is a very sensitive organic always changing thing and like like we've been talking about you can get like roped down to expectations like dude, say like I don't know man say you just want to switch up something and it gets like four likes where you're used to getting like a couple hundred. <laughs> like dude, like you you want it. everyone wants to be like, "Oh man, that shit don't matter. That shit don't matter, bro." Like. it does, yeah. but like you you notice it. If you're self-aware, you notice it and then maybe subconsciously, whatever whatever. That's why I love people like uh Brute. Man, I remember listening to you and Brute on the podcast uh Winter God, Winter 20 2020, I think, man. And Yeah. And that's why I really do, you know, value brute, um, just very like steadfast in who he is, but he's also a public figure. So like these people that have this like pure congruency, and I genuinely believe you walk in congruency with their message. Like I, I think that that's why people receive you so well. Fitz, uh, Logan Fitz is another good example of like, he lives how he, what he preaches. And, um, but man, I mean, it comes down to like, if you want to switch up how you live, like, it, you got you know you, you just there's this thought of like how is it going to be received and even that yeah. thought kind of is a shackle um yep like i remember switching my name from sold i did a winston dude I, I thought about that for like 72 hours i was sat on it for like three days <laughs> i was like damn like i was like death <laughs> to sold i did you know it's just like yeah all these like they're just small things that i think that people that have switched to that creator mentality where they're they're putting themselves they're putting their thoughts out there, they're opening themselves up to hate. They're in a very different game than the people that are just looking and judging that person. Like yeah. they're in the arena yeah. is how I see it. And um I mean, it opens you up to hate, but at the same time, man, it opens you up to like to encouragement, support, love, and it's just like whose voice do we pay attention to, you know?
0: 100 percent it's it's again like going back to that point of you can't have a good thing without a bad thing yes an equivalent bad thing and that's not to expect bad things to happen it's just if you want the capacity to share your content online uh then you are also going to open yourself up to the hate of some people Mm -hmm. that that is what it is the degree different degrees of that that people may experience is like when they start working out when they have never worked out before and their friends and family would be like oh you're gonna become a big gym guy huh (laughs) and like (laughs) and and shit on you for that it's like if you want the benefit of being jacked you have to possibly experience and hopefully people are supportive and all the rest of it but there is always when you strive for something extra more that Mm -hmm. is outside the norm the people within the norm will that have that fake expectation that version of you in their head yes once that is different to like the actual reality of you is different to what they perceive of you then Mm -hmm. they are either trigger themselves um because they don't like that someone else is doing better or striving for more because then that makes them think of themselves and their own ego is like ah Mm attack that thing that made us feel bad Mm -hmm. it's all differing levels of that um Creating content online is is one version of that. Writing a book, even if it's not online, it's like writing poetry and be like, oh, you're a big poet poet guy now, you know? Like just bullshit that you can, like it is only a thought. Uh, The thought of that thing is the only thing that can control you. People can say whatever they want. Mm -hmm. It can only affect you when you take their opinion And put it into something which is like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. And then you don't do the thing. They can't control you unless you control yourself. That goes for government regulations, lockdowns. Mm. It's like they can say whatever they want, but unless you go along with it, then that is the only way that you can be controlled within your own mentality. And that's a choice. God, bro. That we all must make.
1: Firing (laughs) me, firing me up. (laughs) <laughs> yes though, i think that like you're genuinely on to like something that it, that like, almost needs to be studied philosophically like across the world because you you become like this identity like you said you know you go to the gym and everyone's like oh big gym guy like now soul is attached to the gym or like winston a, the gym is characteristic or like you start reading poetry start writing it and it's like oh like poet so you you begin to be identified with these things this is what i was saying with um how we were talking about very early on in this conversation the trajectory um and i told you how loud it is to see my friends from college like working these consulting jobs working wall street and like it's just loud because it's mirroring back to me like where where I am in life, which is this very like unlinear path, just as you know, you like you're you're very much so paving your own way. But dude, it takes like a lot of strength to get to that. And like I mean strength as in like you almost have to be willing to never be understood. Like you can be understood yep. by fellow misfits, fellow black sheeps who, yeah, they get it, man, they they may have the same ideals, but but it is a very if you want to walk in true congruency with your spirit, you're like, you have got to be able to either let the voices of of almost everyone, okay, encouragement and hate, go yeah. in one ear and out the yep. other. But yep. the more of these things that you begin to do, like, dude, the small, like, you start skateboarding for fun, you start surfboarding for fun, you start, you know, going to open mics, like, you start doing all these things that that you're not really identifying with just one thing, but you're now like this all-encompassing like misfit is just the best way to put it you know you're not in a box you're you're doing things because you feel like doing them not because you identify with the calling card if you knew that makes sense like towards the end
0: yeah that makes sense it's identification with a group a stereotype um, attaching things to your identity when you do that too much you end up just like not uh, going to the drum of your own beat. Mm-hmm. people can sense when people are living authentically, congruently with themselves because they, you know, it's respected and appreciative But people. It's like, oh, he's just, he is who he is. And a lot of people don't do that, yeah. can't do that or won't do that. So they respect it when it happens. And again, even with creating content, being authentic is always the best way to go. Don't train yourself to the algorithm. Don't let the algorithm train mm-hmm. you. Um, regardless of, like, oh, the pixels on the screen, that's, too, like, not enough likes or whatever. Um, because you, then you're just, like, will live this self-imposed hell. So
1: Yeah. Dude, well, it, it's also, like, you, you kind of said it as, you know, they see you go on this opposite way, they see you doing these things, and they kind of, like, respect it. But at the same time, it touches back to something you said almost, like, four or five like exchanges ago with like projecting like you're you're basically mirroring to them how trapped they are into like perspective okay dude like let me just give an example to try and bring that home the vaccines okay like say you're against it and you're not even willing to consider it's like i you know and i was the minority at the time bro people are lying about it now but You know, the anti-vax crowd was very much ridiculed and persecuted. And so, so people, you're you're like, no, I'm not, you know, I don't believe in the vaccines or I don't think birth control is good or, or abortion, whatever you're saying, these things. And the people that are like the people, the group who believe these things should be accepted as truth are almost being like mirrored their inability to go the road less traveled Um, like they're kind of being shown that damn, I think like everyone else. And so they begin to like Mm. double down on certain things. I see it a lot with um like dude, the job. I have nothing against nine to fives. I respect the nine to five dog. Like we need an economy. I've worked in nine to fives to pay fuck like to pay bills and rent. But when you don't even really consider that as a lifestyle, and then you talk to these people and like you kind of show them that this other avenue exists they either like double down and they're like dude what about health insurance what about rent three years from now and and in the best case scenario your action the way you're living your minority belief or path plants a seed in their head like hmm you know maybe i don't think smoking weed all the time is good because like this dude doesn't do it or just like things like it can be like whatever but it's like in the best case scenario you know people are like it can be done like i don't have to believe this just because i hear it all around
0: yeah i and that's the role of the artist yes. in a lot of ways is to challenge people's ideas challenge your own ideas challenge your own beliefs because who I was last year is not who I am now. Next year, I'll be a different person as well. An ever-changing flow of whatever experiences I have, whatever information I come across, uh, whatever really comes to me in that moment um, could, ch- will, uh, could and will change mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And all you can really do is take what you have at the moment, uh, try to synthesize it as best you can, and honestly go with what you feel. Yeah. Um, I wanna I wanna say like what what is the difference really between solid idea and winston like who who are these two people
1: <laughs> mm, dude yeah that's a good question um so solid idea was more like looking down kind of like this guy that's like basically teaching lessons man I mean it was a lot like you know what I just in then the the spirit of honesty it was a lot of like your pushes you know like like the lifestyle of of certain diet nutrition things like this um that i began to live myself and see and see a lot of benefit from um but it was more of like i was teaching practical things like i was like this is how things can be better in your life whereas winston the way that i see Winston portrayed us a lot in writing. And as you can see, there's a lot of detachment with even how I like talk about myself at times because the writing is one way. My life is one way, but the thing that's being portrayed through Winston is more of like, I'm like genuinely figuring this thing out in the black sheep path. And like, I'm it's a no holds bar back explanation of like what I'm seeing in life. And like, Mm. it's more like, it's very, Winston is way more congruent with, with my spirit, for sure, dude. Like, the things from that entity, because, I mean, you know, how, like you see your account as like an entity. What's up, Josh? My neighbor just got home. <laughs> my neighbor just got home. Good man. But, um, <laughs> dude, but it's like, so, so you know, it just kind of ha- like randomly happened. I also wanted a little more um, personal side of it like i wanted my name on there because that's kind of where it is now Soul bra is like like this book that's coming out is going to be like given to friends and family like it the winston yeah. story arc was like i'm kind of breaking down the mask of anonymity like winston is willing to be crucified for his beliefs sold idea was yeah. very much so a mask that i hid from everyone at college afterwards like that
0: yeah so what's this new book about it's out now right Mm-hmm. hey
1: tell me real quick um, yeah, yeah dude the book i appreciate you asking um yeah it's been a doozy of a i think it's been about eight months started writing it spring of this year but It's a lot about living with intentionality. It's nothing like the aesthetic archetypes where that was more of like a, dude, I don't know. I look back at that book and I'm like, it's like a self-help, like psychology type book. This is definitely like a fictional story about a main protagonist who's going through the world with a level of apathy. You know, he's not really willing to put his heart into anything. Like it's a very jaded idea and then he begins to have these nightmares he's visited by this like skeletal figure with um like neon glowing bones which is i built almost the whole book off of that one entity like getting down to the bones yep. but the bones are like glowing like they have vitality and vibrancy and so he's visited by this you know spirit in a nightmare and it basically shows him his life at the end of it, at the end, at the you know bottom of a whiskey bottle, sixty-two years old, dying alone, and it's like this is what you will become if you continue to take yourself out of the game. Like if you continue to walk through life with your head down and saying, "I'm too cool to get involved with that." And and you know, there's this girl that comes in, um, and like love is involved, and yeah. I'm shown scenes of her basically dying. And during childbirth, like later in life, she's having our kid. She gives birth to a healthy baby, and like I'm, I'm very ecstatic. I don't know what to say. And then I look back at her, and you know she's unmoving. She's laying on the hospital bed, like she's not breathing. She's pale as a ghost. And so it's like you almost have to be willing to experience the most pain that you'll ever encounter if you want to be able to experience the highest organic ecstasy. And so it's a lot of, like, that. There's a lot of, like, you know, delirious visions in it where the line between reality blurs. Like, I get sucked into these paintings while I'm at this art gallery. And, and there's this, like, ritualistic, like, philosophical moment that I have with these, like, witchy figures in the middle of the jungle. But the overarching um, point, I guess, and this was a big deal because I was, like, you have to almost cement a philosophy that you believe you have to cement it because dude, this book will be around. I mean, even if it sells 10 copies, it'll still be in paper for years, you know? So, so I really sat on this, like, what do I believe? What I believe. And it's like my main belief at this point in life, man, is that willingness to be heartbroken, that willingness to fall on your face like to take a risk that literally fails because like if you're willing to do that then the reward is also just as high like you're you're willing to like you're willing to fall in love you're willing to get cheated on you're willing to like your wife was almost like you're putting yourself in a position to get hurt so that you can receive the opposite you know and I think that how far down you go is how far up you yeah. go, like as above, as below. And if you're really willing to be dragged through the mud by – dude, the gym, you know? Like if you're willing to experience pain, then like the lower that pain is, the higher the joy when it when it rebounds or the higher the potential for the joy. Um, And, you know, I mean, dude, it's 50, 55,000-some words, so – I haven't really ever mastered the elevator pitch on it, so you're getting kind of the raw, <laughs> you know, like the. I don't raw, want a manufactured
0: like, version of that. I want the real. Yeah, shit, that was so very,
1: yeah. that was very like pure. Yeah.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I'm I'm super excited to read it. I'm gonna pick it up after this. Uh, where can people grab that, and where can people reach you if they wanted to read your work?
1: Yeah, dude. Um, soldidea.com is the best place. The links are in the the winston bio but it's you know s-o-u-l-e-d-i-d-e-a.com um and all the writings are there the books there and that's basically like the central place for all the the winston writing for sure
0: awesome well thank you so much for joining me man uh it's been awesome winston uh i'm sure we'll do this again one day but um thanks for joining me on the soulcast today
1: Dude, without a doubt, man, thanks for having me, and um, God bless you bro. My man.
0: (laughs) You too, man. Ciao. All right, cool. Peace.